You're listening to the Rogers Sporting Goods Podcast. This is Aaron Jones. This is Chandler Smith, and I hate long intros, so let's get into it. And we were looking to see, because it's so new. I'm like, well, let's see what Arkansas. That's about the closest you got yeah. to someone that's had a bear season to see how it yeah, works. Northern Arkansas is what we were kind of using yeah. as a frame of that's, reference. Because really about the only thing you can do, because yeah, there's no, I don't. no reference for Missouri. No. What it'd be like, and it's we have different regulations and what's allowed in several other states that yeah. do have bear hunting. Yeah, and I don't know if that's just something we're doing as a transition into adopting some of those regulations, right, or what. Um, we obviously want to limit the harvest numbers just because we yeah. don't have a huge population. Well, was it only four? I think four bears each last z- year. Each zone has a different... Total got taken, though? Yeah, I don't... It seems like it was probably more it's, than that. Oh, maybe a little more We're almost that. at that already this year. Oh, really? Yeah. I get I get an email every single day with the update from the night before. So you know that you mm-hmm. have to call, call an 800 night. number every single day before you go out and hunt to get the status of the zone that you're in, if it's still oh. open or not, if the quota has been met. So yeah. they can close down that zone earlier than gotcha. the end of the season that's scheduled. Is zone one still open? <laughs> still, everything's still open right now. It's going to yeah. go down yeah. on the weekend. <laughs> do they? Do you get any pictures with your email? I, I don't, unless it's just like a, a press release or something sure. like that. Anybody from – I don't do know. you know where they're from? I don't know. I was wondering I, if I think was anybody I can, up here. But. I think I know which – zone they were harvested in oh okay um yeah so you're in zone one mm-hmm. all right you're behind the curve then all right all the, all the bears that have been harvested all come from zone one yeah that's yeah. what i figured yeah better get on is it. that the is that the better zone i i feel like spring, it is. It's Appar- spring apparently that's yeah. where all the deer apparently, are coming from that's right where, now anyway yeah huh and elk season were second year or third so i think third. it's third year third yeah. year when did when's it is it right now too it's open no, right no. now too. The a portion of it is because there's a archery season and then a separate firearm season for for the elk. And do you know how many tags they're drawing for that? I'm just curious. I don't remember. It seems like it. I don't remember the number. Um, yeah, because what the first year? I felt like it was how many thousands of people put in? I don't even remember. But maybe that. ten people. Yeah, like, I, mean, I feel like it was I think super they only small. Gave out five. Five. The first year, and I think it was five again last year. And there was a guy from Liberty. Yeah, they all got filled. That came um, to the store, and he, and he had got one. Yeah, but I'm I'm curious too, and I could probably look back somewhere. But there's data on how many applications were filled out because mm-hmm. you filled out the application to get a permit, then only five of those people were. Selected. But that's a total quota. They don't break. Right, that's not up. broke down into. I mean, you could hunt them in whatever county's open for them. Yeah, um, can't hunt them up here. Right, yeah. but uh, was it that guy in Missouri? Did you see that video? What video? Who was deer hunting and walking out in an oh, elk. Oh, yeah. That's all over Facebook. An elk come walking out Yeah, right in front of a, his blind. He is blind in the background. He's watching this deer like on a scrape area or licking a branch. And then all of a sudden, here comes this bull elk. Yeah. I, I haven't seen Walking that. out right I'm in front of him. It's, it's all over Facebook. I've seen it and I've, I've read, I've tried to read the comments on the original post. It sounds to me like the guy was in Sullivan County, okay. which is north central, like uh-huh. Iowa uh-huh. line type area, um, where he saw that elk out. Yeah, he's got good footage of it's obviously sure. a mature bull elk yeah. through there, which is not 
completely uncommon. I mean, we have elk reports every single year in northern Missouri. Every single yeah. year. I've, I've had them in DeKalb County. I mean, in documented footage, you know. Oh, really? Video footage, game camera pictures of mature <clears throat> bull elk going through the county. Um, northwest Missouri, Atchison County, Nottoway, Holt Counties get reports every single year. Really? I think they follow... Following the river down, mm-hmm. it's a water source and a food source through there. Sure. So. Coming from the south or coming from the they, Nebraska? They, they think they're coming from Nebraska. Uh, there's no way to tell because we don't yeah. have any DNA evidence. But I uh, think they're coming from a herd in, in southeast Nebraska, and they just get pushed out of the herd or venture out and end up crossing the river somewhere somehow and gotcha. venturing over to Missouri. A place I hunt in Kansas, my buddy's got trail cameras, and we keep getting a cow elk, but mm-hmm. he's out there towards Manhattan, which is by Fort Riley, which they obviously yeah. have a huntable uh, population because I'm a Kansas resident, but I put in my points to draw my once-in-a-lifetime yeah. Kansas <laughs> Fort Riley tag. But, um, yeah, so, I mean, I, they very well could have wondered from there, too, because that's yeah. really not too far. Manhattan. It's not uncommon for them to cover so many miles. No. You know, they can cover a lot of miles in a short amount of time. We've been out in Colorado, and, you know, it takes us three hours to hike to uh, some watering holes kind of halfway up a mountain and we spot some elk and they get up from their bedding area and they're up and over the mountain in three minutes, yeah. whereas it takes us three hours. Right. And you're huffing and puffing oh, the whole yeah. time and they just doing that too. Popping right up over yeah. the mountain and we're like, well, that we're not catching them. Yeah. And it's hard to tell in Missouri. Some of these reports that we get, is it the same animal just moving around a lot and just showing up on somebody's game camera or, or film? Um, or is it completely different? Animals? Yeah. It's hard to tell unless you got a good descriptor. I mean, you obviously can tell between a cow and a bull mm-hmm. um, when you get them. But there was one two or three years ago that was in Clinton County, hung out in the same area for a couple months. Like it was known to be in that area, not very far off the interstate, just west of the interstate in, in Clinton County. Guy was hunting, saw it from his tree stand, videoed it walking right underneath him, could hear it bugling, tore up one of his ground blinds like, Came by on a really? game camera picture with, with the ground blind and his antlers. No, but no. but during the elk season, you couldn't hunt an elk like say you had one sticking on your property up here in northwest Missouri. Yeah, I'm, I'd have to look at the. I don't know if that's a thing where they where we've Is limited. It probably it. based off an area. Yeah, it's, I think it's mostly down around where the yeah, releases have been yeah. occurring, and you can hunt public and private ground down there yeah. if you get permission from on private property. Yeah. But yeah. yeah, like up here, I don't think we could shoot yeah. one. That's like true. If you're, Hey, I got this just elk, elk hanging out around. It's elk season, <laughs> yeah. and I do have a tag. Yeah, what are the chances I'm of that? Not, but if you're if you if you're one of those five people that get a tag, are you going to yeah. spend your time hunting up no. here? No, 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 no. Yeah, uh-uh. that's exactly right. No, Pat, who are we talking with today? So we brought in Mark. Is it McNeely? McNeely, yeah. Yeah, and uh, well, I'll tell you how we met. But he uh, he's a conservation agent for Missouri Department of Conservation. And really statewide, but he's more uh, DeKalb County, Northwest Missouri. I'd, I'd say your your home range, That's right? My assignment, yeah, yeah. And, and my home range. I, yeah. I grew up in that area too. Grew up there. How long have you been with them now? I've been the agent in DeKalb County for just over eight years now. Eight years, yeah, which doesn't seem like. What you did you do something in this field before that? Uh, no. No. Being an agent was my first job with the department. Gotcha. Um, I'd done a lot of volunteer work growing up and worked some jobs here and there doing conservation-related things. Yeah. Um, especially down here at Smithville Lake. I worked there right. for three summers when I was in college and, and got a lot of experience there. But uh, as an agent, it was my first job with the department. So yeah. Started in 2014. Yeah, I think we met 
probably been five or six years now at least. Yeah. And just met on an evening after my stepson and uh during gun season yep. and, and taking a doe and he pulled up and Yeah, I think it was course, kinda one of those where I was we in the area, like, heard heard a yeah, shot. Right. So you just naturally follow see up what's on it. up. Of course yep. we had three vehicles, you know, it's like, well, something's going on here. Yes. Yeah. So that's how we met and uh you were no probably tickets. Good. So <laughs> yeah. that was going to be my next question. I was like, you met. Well, met met on, on good terms. Yes. yes. And then I've, you know, we've kept in contact and I see him at the store. And, and actually it was, I think it was last year then was the last time. And I, we got checked a different part of the property, but mm-hmm. you know, just walking out and driving by and pulled in and see what's going on. Yes. And, all good on my end. Yeah. Right. Who else? We I don't mess here? around. And Chandler, everybody, yep. everybody remembers Chandler. And yes. we got we got Josh back in the house. Yes, we and, lassoed uh, him and made him come up here. Get him away from waterfowl hunting. That's hard to do, especially and, uh, this time of year. I said, especially I when it's twenty five degrees mm-hmm. in the morning. Mm-hmm. Yes. I said, I haven't seen you in a few weeks. He's been, been busy. He's been after it. And of course, Aaron. Yes. Aaron's here, and and Patrick. They lasso me in from the store every couple mm-hmm. of weeks, and but yes. it's fun. We, I mean, I wrote, I jotted down stuff, but we'll probably we're gonna bounce all over the place, and you know, we're talking about elk hunting and all that, and bear hunting and, and, and everything. And uh, um, well, speaking of getting checked, so this popped up, and you know, things have changed in Missouri. We've like growing up, I had the yellow mm-hmm. tags, mm-hmm. right, and. I don't know how long the app has been out now. It's probably been four or five years now. Yeah. Yep. So you can do everything on your phone, which it's funny because at the store, you know, you got to like help a lot of people sometimes. Yeah. You know, you can just do it right here and you download it. And yeah. Unless they got an old flip phone. <laughs> but is that, is that, uh, I don't know. My thing is say you harvest a deer. And then you check it, and that's my permit, Yep. right? Um, like I was when I got checked last year, and, you know, I pulled it up, and here it is. But say you harvest one, and do you have to be within a um, around your harvest? Like what if I throw it in the bed of the truck, and then I go eat in town, and my phone's with me there, right? So now my yeah. permit's away from the animal. Yeah, and that's something I come across very frequently, especially with the, the app that we use now. Um, it's not rare thing but i i see less and less of the in hand paper permits anymore mm-hmm. um, but yeah it's a good question i come across that stuff all the time as long as you're in the presence of your harvest mm-hmm. and i can easily discern who that animal belongs to when i'm checking you right that's all that's required yeah. now if you're going to leave that animal with somebody else then it's still got to meet the satisfaction of being labeled with your information and confirmation number on it um, so i know who that who harvested that animal? Right. Yep. And you're like you're say able to someone do that. was going to take the deer and drive it for you. Maybe you didn't have a truck. Right. Yep. It's still got to be going. labeled with the taker's information. Yep. Gotcha. And you could do that just on a piece of paper or something and yeah, attach it to the deer. We don't write out how it has to be labeled. Yeah. It just has to be labeled. I've, right. I've seen people zip tie Ziploc bags to the leg 
you know, we don't have those peel and stick stickers anymore. Right. Like you're talking mm-hmm. about with yeah. the yellow permits that were super handy. Yeah. <laughs> Information printed on it. All you got to do is peel it off, Just stick it, it on off. there, and it, it didn't come off. Like right. Exactly. Oh, yeah. you, could, you could barely cut the thing uh-huh. off. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, we don't have those anymore, so it's just got to be labeled in some fashion. I've seen duct tape wrapped around the leg, written right. on a permanent marker, um, just labeled somehow. What if your phone dies? And that happens. It, it does right. happen. Or um, you may not have service or there's an update or something like right. that. There's always something going on. I mean, with there's a way for there. you all to check, too, probably on the back side we of the system. We have that ability. <clears throat> Excuse me. We, we have that ability. On my phone, I, I have a separate application that I use on my phone that gives me access to all that information. But it's the hunter's requirement uh, or responsibility to make sure that it's labeled and you're meeting the requirements at all times. So right. I understand that situation comes up. Your phone dies. It's cold. It's 25 degrees in the morning. Your battery doesn't last forever. Right. And you're watching videos on Facebook and YouTube. Yeah, yeah the whole time. time. <laughs> yeah, so you're draining your battery. The next thing you know, you got a deer and you got 5% left on your battery. Um, so yeah, I come across that situation. It's obviously understandable. We can work around those kinds of things. It's not something that I get really worked up about as long as you're trying to do the right thing. Uh, yeah. We're going to work with you on that for sure. The solution I have found to no services when I've got my app pulled up, I just hit a screenshot yeah. of my tag and information and same thing. If I've got a deer or a turkey that's going in my buddy's truck, I just have my screenshot and then I text that screenshot to him. And if they say, well, whose is this? He can just pull up the screenshot and say, well, it's my buddy's right here. Yeah, that'd be one way to make it possible for us to find out who that belongs to. Yeah, so you can always track that animal back to me because I want to make sure I'm responsible for it. And and I tell people there's always the option of getting those uh, permits printed off. Mm -hmm. Uh, We still have the paper option available now. It's not the yellow yellow sticker um, anymore, but you can still print it off. So you have a hard copy in the field as a backup. If you feel like that's yeah common, I run across that a lot with people that are fishing because they don't want to take their cell phone out on their boat, mm-hmm. um, potentially lose it in the water. So, print off a copy, throw out their tackle box. It's always there. Yeah. Um, if they have their phone, great. They got the app. But if not, they still have that paper. What permit. about? I was just thinking because obviously when you go to the website, you just print it on a piece of paper and it prints. You know, a, mm-hmm. a thing like that. What if you went and got some of like the old school sticky labels you could print and you got a big one and you just yeah. printed it on one of those big labels and you could just peel that off and wrap it around an antler or a yeah, leg or that's something. A, that's an option. I mean, there's nothing that says you can't do that. Yeah. I've seen guys in the field take those printed permits and reduce them down to a certain size on a copy machine where you can make, yeah. make it smaller and then they'll laminate them yeah. in, in plastic and punch a hole in it and zip tie it to something. So I've seen all kinds of different that's, that's things. And good. It, it, mm-hmm. it meets the satisfactions of the of the or the requirements of the regulation. It satisfies that regulation as long as it's labeled. It's obviously got all your information right yep. there yeah. on the permit. So. Yeah, I'm I'm a I'm a big hard copy guy. <laughs> you can't I, go yeah. wrong. That you way. just said that Kansas went away from like the the yellow. Yeah, so I think it was like over the summer they switched their system now to where last year in January, well, this year in January, I got my green kind of plasticky paper mm-hmm. printed out license like normal. And then I go in to get my duck stamps this year. They print it out on a piece of printer paper. Yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like this is not, this is not going to work. No. Yeah. And they, it's a whole new app now too. And they got a new app and then they say $6 and you can get a hard card with like a QR code on the back that, Game Warden can scan. So, yeah, yeah, I do have those. And we, we have that option in Missouri also. You can get the, the card. It looks like a credit card mm-hmm. name and information on the front and a QR code on the back that I have the ability to scan and pull up all your permit information. But when it comes to deer and turkey hunting, you actually have to have that permit 
in one shape or form on your phone or hard copy um, because you can't invalidate that permit when you do harvest a deer or turkey. Mm-hmm. Um, it's on that credit card thing. Yeah. I am kind of curious. So from your perspective, I'm kind of curious what you think. It seems like whenever I'm with my friends, we're out hunting, we're coming back to the truck, we see the game warden waiting for us. Everybody just kind of gets a little bit nervous. Yeah. Like, oh, we're doing something <laughs> wrong, but, but we're not. Right. I want to know kind of like when you encounter those situations, how often does that happen? And how often does it turn How often to... are people getting nervous? Yeah. Oh, nine, nine times out of 10, they're nervous. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's nine times out of 10, they're not doing anything wrong. Uh, probably even more than that. But uh, I think it's just that instinctual fear of authority, I guess you'd mm-hmm. call us, um, there, and it makes people nervous. I mean, I've seen guys that have absolutely nothing wrong. They've been doing everything completely right, and when they go to hand me something, their hand's just shaking like a leaf. Um, it, it, for me... Sometimes that can be a red flag, depending on, I judge a person's nervousness and how their, their body language is telling me how they're acting. But nine times out of 10, if I'm checking a hunter in the field, they're, they're right. Mm-hmm. Even though they may think they're doing something wrong, most of the time they're, they're not. And if it's a little thing, we're, we're going to work through it. We're going to work through it either way. But uh, yeah, it, it's surprising how nervous people get sometimes. Well, I think a lot of it too is look at that book under your phone. That's not a little <laughs> yeah, book to yeah. to at least keep top of mind so that you're right. you're somewhere in line with that. And then of course regulations and um, limits and as far as limits of different species of waterfowl especially it's always changing. And and it's funny you so, bring that up is you know I have this little book the wildlife code book but that's not including all the deer and turkey hunting regulations, exactly. waterfowl regulations like you talked about. You know, um, all those are separate also from just what's contained in this book. And that I have it with me because I don't know everything that's in that Mm -hmm. book. I'm not versed enough to quote you that book either. So I have to reference that book as the person that's enforcing those things. I don't expect the person hunting to know every single thing either. Sure. Um, Now it's your responsibility to make sure you are following the regulations regarding what you're doing at the time. Absolutely. Um, But yeah, that's that can be intimidating. I mean, it's, oh, yeah. it's intimidating for me as the person that's supposed to be the expert in that mm-hmm. field. Well, especially like someone, Josh, who is in Kansas, but if he wants to come hunt Missouri, it's a completely different. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. That's just a lot. And you travel to Nebraska. You travel to Oklahoma. You travel everywhere. <laughs> yeah. North Dakota. <coughs> yeah. yeah. And everywhere you go, it's something different. something different. It's never the same from one place to the yeah, other. Yeah. Well, sure. like North Dakota was weird because the licensing structure was so different from what I'm used to. It's like, well, is this right? Yeah. But it, that happened to it. We know Mark and Sonia was nervous. <laughs> I'm like, what? You just, I think it's almost the same, you know, if you're, uh, like when you get pulled over, right, mm-hmm. for yeah. speeding. You already know. You roll your window down. They're going to already ask for your license and stuff. So you just have it ready. You keep your hands where you can see them, and you're, you're in and out, right? Mm-hmm. Even though I knew Mark. Hey Mark, how's it going? You know, and I I knew what was going to be asked already. Even though he knows me, you're still going to go through the same process. Yep. Even though we know each other, mm-hmm. unload the gun, open the bolt. I already was on my phone pulling up my permit, <laughs> right? And you just go then, Sonia, <laughs> you know. But it and I get it. You and that's just, and that's how a shell gets dropped on the and ground. And that's how a shell gets and it's lost, out right? there somewhere. <laughs> um, yeah. But yeah, I think it's. Just that unknown of of probably a hunter like mm-hmm. what 
maybe there is something that I forgot. Yeah. Right. Am I not wearing the correct amount of orange or am I so uh, many do things I going through your head? Signed? Do I have everything? Do, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh my gosh. What if, you go to pull your phone. Uh oh. What if it's dead? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That yeah. Causes that um, little bit of panic. Mm-hmm. Sure. On the on the deer side of it, which you know is we're rocking and rolling right now and we're getting into it and duck season we've got Missouri is it not this weekend but next, next weekend yeah. but on the deer side of it you shoot a deer you come up to it well i guess now it's on your phone yeah so if your phone's on you right you but in back in the day when you had the tags you had to tag it before you moved yeah you had to physically place the tag the on deer. it um, a lot of people called it a transport tag or a movement right. tag or something like from that from that spot yeah exactly and it one of those reasons we do that is because we want to make sure that deer's dead first, you know, because if mm-hmm. that deer is not dead, it's not technically harvested. We don't want you to invalidate your permit until we know for sure that deer is not going to get up and run off. Um, and I've seen people do that too, where they've shot a deer using their app, shot a deer, went and net notched their permit, so invalidated it, and they can't find their deer. And then they couldn't find it. Right. So that's not a recovery. That's not a harvest at that point. Um, but it's difficult or it can be difficult to get that permit issued back to that person. So it was a benefit of the old permits. I mean, you knew that deer was dead when you walked up to it and put a, put a right, tag yeah, on it. You had, you had to, to touch it. Physically touch yeah. it. Yeah. Well, I've, I've done that before you back in the day and you got to go. Have you ever walked up to a deer and that thing jumps up <laughs> yeah. and you're about one foot away? Mm-mm. Yeah. That'll scare you. Mm-hmm. Yep. You're like, what in the world? This thing is made of body armor. Well, I mean, I've had a duck get up and walk out of the blind. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. You're like, this thing's dead. It's, We're good. Yeah. Pretty soon you're like, jeez. <laughs> like, where'd that duck come from? <laughs> yeah. I've, uh, my dad and I loaded up a bunch of geese one time in the back of his Tahoe. Oh, I've this, heard a story like this a few times. Yes. And we piled, I don't know, there was, it was snow geese. So, I mean, we probably had 12 or so in there. Mm-hmm. And Pretty soon he looks in the rear view, rear view mirror and he goes, turn around and make sure I'm seeing what I'm seeing. And there was one just standing in the back. And <laughs> yep. I thought, oh, well, okay. Well, I heard a story about a widgeon flopping around in the back of like a, a Chevy little sedan. Mm-hmm. Just got up and started <laughs> flying around in the backseat. Yeah. <laughs> Makes me think of that movie Tommy Boy. Yep. Every yep. time when the deer comes back and just destroys that convertible. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Uh, yep. That I do is. have a. I want to get your perspective on a game warden check that I went through when I was in North Dakota. I, I was kind of a little bit like, "What's going on here?" Regular gun check, license check, chit chatting. Yep. And then the game warden, then without asking or anything, she just goes into our blinds and starts digging through our blind bags. I was wondering do they need to ask us to check all of our yeah, blinds? So that, that's kind of a, I don't want to say a gray situation, but that's kind of a, a situation that a lot of people get confused on. Mm-hmm. As, and I can't speak for North Dakota because mm-hmm. they may have, a, may, they may be set up different way um, <clears throat> but as far as the laws requirements. In Missouri, when we contact a hunter or a fisherman, we have what we do a, a compliance check we don't have to have a reason to stop you necessarily mm-hmm. like a, a, going down the highway a trooper has to have a reason a violation to be able to stop you yes whatever it may be when we're out working we have a compliance check if we see somebody hunting or fishing 
we have that authority to contact that person and ask for the permit that they need to have in their possession at the time that they're doing whatever activity they're doing. In doing so, we also have that authority of being able to search anything that may or we reasonably expect to contain wildlife that they may be in possession of at the time that they're hunting or fishing. Now, that doesn't give me a right to go to your vehicle and just start searching through Mm -hmm. everything just because I see you hunting. But, you know, we, when you buy your permit in Missouri or whatever, when you sign your permit, you're essentially authorizing us to make sure that you are in compliance with the regulations that you're doing at the time, Mm -hmm. whatever that be, hunting, fishing, whatever it may be. So that can extend to a certain point, but then there is also a reasonable expectation of privacy when it comes to your personal belongings. Mm-hmm. Um, and that that's where that kind of becomes a little cloudy for some people sometimes is where does that extend to? Where does my authority stop without permission? Um, and, and we're no different from other law enforcement. If we want to continue a search, we need to have your permission or we need to have a warrant or some kind of justification that would extend that further for us. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't, I'm not going to violate anybody's civil rights in, in doing so. So that's a, a fine line that we have to walk sometimes and knowing where, how far does that extend and where do we stop at? But we do have a, a, an expectation to search anything that may contain wildlife, um, which a lot of guys have coolers. Uh, duck blind is, you know, where do ducks go after you, you shoot them? You get them, bring them back in your duck blind. So it's a very common place to search Would for Would part of wildlife. that compliance be... Um like you got to shoot non-toxic, right, for waterfowl. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to check your blind bag, make sure you don't have a box of uh, yeah lead number twos in there. Right, because that's where oh, anybody would expect your ammunition to be <laughs> at that time. And then you right. know, you're so in the act of hunting. So maybe that's part of it. Yeah, so. That could have been it. I, not, I, mean, I, I also sure. generally ask just mm-hmm. to be that's, polite. That's what threw me uh, off. Is yeah. Like, she just goes and opens the blind and then starts rifling through bags and then finds little pouches inside bags and unzips those like yeah. she's looking for how many bags pa- you got paraphernalia. <laughs> i don't but i've got like this, this no i know waterproof box yeah that i keep batteries in yeah. right and i can't speak for somebody else uh, as far as how sure. an officer handles their situation but um yeah i i, I generally ask uh, just to be polite and kind of put that person at ease and they that way they know what i'm doing also may not put them at ease completely, but at least they are anticipating what's going to happen next mm-hmm. or the, that process that we're going to go through. Yeah. On kind of on that same thing, but like I could be, um, we'll just use the farm I hunt for an example mm-hmm. and say I'm hunting up on the bluff and it's at the back of the property. Is it, and if I'm right here or correct me if I'm wrong, I mean, say you saw my vehicle and you're like, okay, I, He's probably hunting on this side. Mm-hmm. Theoretically, you could just come onto that property, even though it's private, mm-hmm. and search for me and see what I'm doing. Or theoretically, just, yes. I mean, um, I, I have had people, you know, where you get where it is private. You know, mm-hmm. you get checked. Yep, my cousin had that um, happen. He was on the backside of a pasture setting traps for fur bears, and gave more and drove you know, right you through get the pasture checked, and checked him. But yeah. And now, and now, again, that extends to a certain point. Now, if you told me to get off your property, you know, I don't have a reason to be there unless I know that you're in violation of something. Gotcha. At the point that I know that you're in violation of something, then I 
right. can contact you wherever you may be. And you're probably not out there just wandering uh, I, I through. I can't think of anybody that would do that. Yeah. It's just a, that's just a bad general practice, you yeah. know, because you're going to upset a lot of hunters if yeah. you start doing that kind of stuff. So I don't know that anybody operates that way. But there are times where we do have information that tells us that that person is in violation, um, whether that be unpermitted, if they're hunting over bait, or illegal method, or... You know, they're not allowed to be hunting on that property. Yeah, or maybe someone said, I don't, yeah. I've never seen that vehicle. So situations can arise where sure. we do that. Yeah. But in general, that's just a, right. in my opinion, right. a bad practice to yeah. go about just driving across somebody's 40-acre timber looking for them just to make and sure you got your permit. It's got to make you nervous doing that, too. I mean, you're oh, going yeah. in there. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's you, got, you don't know what's on the other side. You have 100% the advantage at that point. I mean... You're going to see me coming from a ways away. And about mm-hmm. 100% of the time, they're armed. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yep. So, yeah, exactly. which that's got to be different too. Like normal law enforcement, not everybody you come in contact with is armed. Is armed. Yeah. But besides fishing, if it's waterfowl, deer hunting, turkey, yeah. I mean, everybody, it just has to heighten the level of. Yeah, your I mean, situation. Everybody awareness we talk is, to yeah. is got a weapon. It's It does give you a different perspective when approaching people like that because realizing that i'm contacting you i see you from 100 yards away um, if you had ill intentions again you have the advantage there you right know, you see me coming from a ways away and i'm there's no way i can do anything to circumvent that sure but yeah I, I i assume everybody's armed whether that be with a gun or you talk about fishermen right have knives yeah I mean, a lot, knives pose a, a very real yes. threat also mm-hmm. um, but yeah I, I just assume everybody is armed and i assume it's loaded yeah and until i know otherwise i'm going to treat that gun and person as if they're handling a, a loaded firearm right and i thankfully i've never been in a, a real bad situation but i had a very you know similar situation happen during dove season on opening day of dove season this year at pony express and i walked up on a adult and a juvenile that were hunting and they were they were doing everything right they had no issues at all as far as the legal side of things the youth was underage, so I knew he didn't need a permit. So I was like, I'm not going to make him stop what he's doing. You know, I asked him, I could keep your gun pointed in a safe direction. I'm going to contact the adult, go through the whole process of checking permits and look for birds. And during the time that I was talking with the adult, um, the juvenile, who had a, a break action shotgun, so I didn't even need to check the firearm for, um, for a plug. Mm-hmm took a shot at a bird that was passing by and I, I can't say how close to my head the, the end of the barrel was, but it was way closer than I felt comfortable. Yeah. And I, it took me a few seconds to collect myself after the initial shot and shock of what had happened. Um, right. Because, and my first concern was the safety of everybody that was in the group and the person that was with me. And after I established everybody was safe, it's just, it, it literally took a few seconds to, to kind of put it together and realize. And I, I might have been a little forward with my <laughs> commands at that point um, <laughs> yeah. to a juvenile, right. but at that point, I was going to make sure that that gun was completely unloaded yes. and, and out of that person's hands. Right. You know, and I understand. Yeah. You know, in the heat of the moment, you get excited, you get that um, visual focus on on your target target fixation, but you still have to think yeah. about being safe at yeah. all times. I mean, that, that could have been a completely different situation, and thankfully, it wasn't. But it makes you realize how real that possibility is at any time we're in the field. I feel it. Yeah. 
on the on the public hunting side and you talk about fixating on your target and like what's the the when it comes to turkeys and doing the creeping yeah oh yeah reaping yeah and reaping that's not with that's not ideal on public ground no right <laughs> but, but people i mean i know people have and i'm sure you know i mean things happen every year right you always say identify you know what you're Mm-hmm. pointing at but I inevitably some, it happens every year whether some states it's, even outlawed on public ground if i'm not mm-hmm. really mistaken yeah yeah it's starting it's to gotta be a dangerous mm-hmm. situ- i don't want to be crawling around carrying a turkey no carrying yeah. a turkey on public land yeah knowing there's other hunters out there yeah i've been uh same time i don't like turkey hunting public ground period we did some coyote hunting at a pony mm-hmm. and uh unsuccessfully but you know, we're sitting out there and we're trying to call coyotes and, and then we got rabbit hunters cause it was snowing. Yeah. So they're out and they just walk, you know, right. Yep. Like you just never know what you're. Mm-mm. And it's a, it's a conflict that comes up every single year. I get calls about people hunting too close to each other. Like, Oh, this guy's got a tree stand 50 yards from mine. I can see him in the tree stand the whole time. I'm like, it's a public ground. Like I yeah. can't, I can't Your make that stand guy is move. 50 yards from <laughs> <Yeah>, his. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Uh, it's it's public. I mean, anybody can be out there doing pretty much anything at the, at at the same time. Just like yeah. you guys, you said guys are running dogs. That happens every single weekend. Sure, out there guys are training dogs, and you got deer hunters, you got turkey hunters, you got dove hunters, coyote hunters, all trying to use that same property, uh, and it it can cause some conflicts. And um, right. same way, personally, I don't hunt private or uh, public grounds. I have private property that I'm able to hunt. Mm-hmm. But it's a good resource for a lot of people that don't have access to private property, right? But understand that it is a public ground. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll public hunt for deer and waterfowl. It's just turkey. I just I, that makes me <clears throat> nervous because everybody's in all camo. I'm in all camo. It's not like you're throwing out decoys. It's not a group thing. Usually, you're trying to stay as hidden as possible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I just don't like turkey hunting public ground. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, other than that, like deer hunting, yeah, I'm good with that. During Archery or rifle? Archery, or, yeah, yeah, not necessarily rifle. But, I mean, mm. waterfowl hunting, I don't really have access to private ground at all. So that's where most right. of my waterfowl mm-hmm. hunting is done on public. Gotcha. But you're not moving around. No, exactly. <laughs> yeah, with that. And mm-hmm. other people that are hunting know where you're at. Typically, mm-hmm. they see the spread, see your setup, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So it eliminates a lot of the, the risk there. Yeah. What would you say has been your most memorable experience as a conservation agent? That's a tough one. Um, I've, I've been on eight years, and I feel like there's a lot of stuff that has kind of stuck with me. Uh, and I get kids ask me all the time, and I'm not comparing your question to a kid's question, but, mm-hmm. but people ask all the time, well, what's your favorite thing you've done, or what's the most dangerous thing you've done, or what's the scariest thing you've done? There's a lot of those things that meet those mm-hmm. criteria. Um, and you asked what the most memorable thing was. Mm-hmm. It's a, For me, it's all about the kids, honestly. Um, and I know that sounds cliche because everybody says it, but seeing those kids get their first harvest on a deer or a turkey or whatever it may be, and they are super proud of it. Um, I love interacting with them and seeing that excitement because I know that's going to generate the interest in them and get them back out there. Um, and to me, it's they've not been on their phone. They've been doing something hands-on where they're learning a real-life skill set. Um, and compared to the experienced hunter that wants to tell me about his deer hunting stories, I'll listen to them, and I, I listen to them a lot. 
But his stories that he's told hundreds of times to all of his buddies and his friends and his hunting partners compared to the 10-year-old kid that just got his first deer and it's a six-point buck or whatever it is, mm-hmm. the, the degree of enthusiasm is completely different. And I, I, I love that. I like hearing those kids' stories or hearing about a kid's first day, a successful hunt or whatever it may be. So I do, and I do truly enjoy that part of the job, getting to hear those stories. Um, other stuff is just situations that I've been in, cases that I've made um, that really stand out to me that feel like I've actually had an impact on things. And I'm, I'm not saying it's not important to enforce all the regulations, but me writing a, a ticket to a guy for not having a fishing permit is different than me catching a guy that's been habitually poaching deer um, off of public ground and taking that opportunity away from kids or other um, legal hunters that are trying to go about the right way, that makes me feel like I'm actually having an impact on the job and the resource and the people in that community, uh, more so than just, you know, the Joe Smith that come up from Kansas City for the weekend and didn't have a permit. Mm-hmm. You know, still needs to be addressed, but uh, on an impactful level, it's two completely different things. So there's there's a lot of different things that are memorable in this job. Um, and I, I, I can't really decide on just one thing in particular. There's nothing really that stands out uh, as a single event, really. And then we were talking earlier about youth hunters. Yeah, and the kids. We were wondering, and it's such a good segue. Yeah, we to, were wondering, like, over the past few years, have you noticed an increase or a decrease in youth getting involved in the outdoors? Um, I would say probably a little bit of an increase in my perspective. Now I'm in a rural area where most people generally hunt already anyway. Most Mm -hmm. people are out hunting and fishing, doing some kind of outdoor activity. So in my area, it's not a drastic change. Um, But I would say as the department as a whole has done a really good job of recruiting. Uh, We're offering a lot of different outdoor activities, not just hunting and fishing, but just in general getting people outdoors, which I think is definitely important. But again, my area is pretty rural and most people generally hunt and fish already. Uh, But I would say there's probably been at least a little bit of an increase um, in the outdoor use, hunting and fishing stuff. So yeah, I was wondering if, if my first inclination was that there was a decrease, but um, just based up, right. More phones, more technology, more games, you know, and so I was just wondering if, you know, yeah, and I, I, we still had plenty of youth, right, getting out there because we all like conservation and outdoors, and you know that's kind of kind of on your same lines of uh, teaching kids and all yeah. that. And as we all get older, right, that's kind of what we our next thing. You know, we've hunted, we've shot. Yeah, plenty you've of got foul, all those stories to tell, deer, right? I've yeah. got the stories, <clears throat> but passing it on to make sure conservation and yeah. kids in the outdoors keeps going on. Yeah, um, yeah. And I, I, the department in general, again, like they do a good job of appealing to a lot of different age groups, a lot of diversification of our outdoor activities that we promote people to do, whether that be camping or hiking or hunting or you know whatever it may be i I was going to mention like the app Mm -hmm. kids are on their phone or young people are on their phone more and more so that being able to do something on your phone through the application as far as telechecking your deer buying your permits all right there 
I think it's made it easier for them to transition into that. Now I'm not saying there's not kids at home that are just, are on the phone all the time. Right. But if they're not having to do it the what we call the old fashioned way, mm-hmm. you know, like when it's more appealing to them, we're using the technology that they're already using to get them involved in the outdoors. Yeah. Yeah. They don't have to go stand at the counter at Walmart yeah. for half an hour while the <laughs> yeah. clerk behind the counter is going, I don't know what buttons to press. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Oh man. At the store, November, the two days prior, one, <laughs> actually the Thursday is even bigger. Cause I think then by Friday, most people are yeah. on know, their way heading out our, to their our camp. Our system but. every single year, it seems to get overloaded. And this like, is for opening rifles, what I'm yeah, talking about. Yeah. But the it's the major hunting season. Yes. But every single year, our system, and I'm not sure if it's just a limited capacity and what our system can take or, or the number of people going in to buy permits, but it, it gets overloaded every single year. We've had issues where it, it just stopped working. Um, yeah. On the night before opening day of firearm season, you're like, this is the worst possible time yeah. for something like this to occur. Um, so I encourage people to go out and buy your permits ahead of time. You can you can buy them in July, and they're good, you know, yeah. through deer season. Um, but, yeah, it's it's amazing the amount of people that wait sure. until that last So anyone listening to this podcast, no matter what state you're in, buy your hunting license now <laughs> exactly. for whatever yeah. you plan to hunt the remainder of this fall. Yeah. I think now, you can set up to have it, like, renew. Yeah, Can you do, do that on deer? I, I don't know if deer and turkey are set up that way. We do have the auto renewal for like your standard fishing permit or yeah. small game, game hunting yeah. permits, things like that. Um, but I'm not sure because and that and my to clarify that a little bit, you can buy more than one deer permit. So you may be able to auto renew your one any deer firearms permit, but it's not going to auto renew the three antlerless permits that mm, you bought the yeah. year before because you may not want three this mm-hmm. year, depending on what yeah. your situation is. I've been the person to buy it the morning of <laughs> off my phone <laughs> yeah. before. Yeah. Oh, shoot. Or the biggest one is fishing. Yeah. Right? Until, because after the season, and then it is it typically February. Yeah. That they you're like fire small the last game day of fishing. February, yeah. yeah. And so you're not really thinking about it. And then spring hits and. Yeah. You don't think about it until like, all right, let's go fishing today. Mm-hmm. Uh, let me go get my, mm-hmm. let me get my permit. And that is one nice thing where the app is really handy because I've done that before too. It's the night before. It's mm-hmm. eleven o'clock at night. I'm getting all my gear together. Wait, did I get my turkey tag? Right. And I'm like, yeah. I don't think I did. So I get on there and yeah, knock it out on the ten, app. Ten and seconds and you exactly. can get it done pretty. And well. you used to have to go find the nearest Walmart to try to get <laughs> or, tags. And or then a gas at station. Ten yeah. or eleven o'clock at night, you yeah. got to get a cashier to go clear back to the outdoor section to and yeah. see if they don't and know how see to if it. they know how to do it yeah right. and now exactly. walmart's not 24 hours Mm-mm. so yeah. really limited might then. be out of luck yeah. with the with these we're talking about rifle season coming and i think this comes up a lot so a few subjects that we had discussed earlier and i hear it all the time at the store from customers and and so there's always a debate on a couple things one is when the season is and I'm sure you guys get asked too, and I'm sure you go to Jeff City and there's big meetings every year on, yeah. hey, can we change something? Should we change something? And one is moving gun season to December mm-hmm. um, and just letting people bow hunt all November, especially during the rut. Yep. Um, and kind of what your thoughts are on that and, and you know, was it discussed again this last it, year? Because I'm sure it's discussed all the time. I can assure you it's discussed every single year. Yeah, it's got to um, be up and, there. And not just in 
August, September leading up to it. Those, those season dates are established well in advance of mm-hmm. um, taking effect. We have scientists. I'll call, I'll call them scientists, but they're multi come from a multitude of backgrounds, you know, um, biology, um, all, all kinds of different things. So they're the ones that have the majority of the input on that. I mean, they look at the harvest numbers. They look at the data, not just from the year before, but from 5, 10, 15 years. So we get a, a trend in harvest numbers and population studies are done continuously on, on deer. Um, some more specialized than others. We're doing research and data collection constantly. Mm-hmm. Um, people don't think about it, but all the, the information you provide when you tell a check a deer is crucial to making some of those decisions. You know, whether how many antler antler deer are we harvesting versus how many antlerless deer are we harvesting, and where are they being harvested at? Where are those um, geographical hotspots? Where's the population doing well? Where's it struggling at? All that information is crucial to that, and that's why it is important to tell a check your deer and, and do it properly. Uh, not not just with deer, but with turkeys too. But I personally don't have a lot of input in that as far as a voice in, in the department. Um, but as a hunter, I can provide information there, opportunity there to provide that information. I don't see it changing. Um, but again, that's not my call. There's people that right. are well above my level of knowledge and understanding of the situation <laughs> that are make those decisions and, and, yeah. and they're compensated for it. But um, there's a reason it's set up the way it is. Uh, we typically have a pretty high... Uh, population of deer in Missouri, whether whether it's the hardcore hunter complaining that he's not seen enough deer or whether it's the farmer complaining there's too many deer, there's generally a, a pretty decent number of deer in Missouri in general. So putting that season in the prime time, what we call the rut, is a way to effectively control that population because the deer harvest numbers, <clears throat> they if we didn't have that firearm season during the rut that peak time the archery numbers of deer harvested would be higher than what they are yes Mm -hmm. but they would not compare to the number of deer that are harvested by firearms during that season so it would may not be as an effective tool for population management of those deer Um, and 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 i'm sure there's way more science into it than that but that's my understanding sure and i have some questions too and i'm not trying to put you on the spot or anything like that but it's just questions that roll through my mind is, you know, Missouri's got scientists and biologists and their reasoning is we're going to keep the gun season right in the middle of the rut. Missouri is surrounded by states that have the opposite mentality. Mm-hmm. Let's pull that yeah. rifle season out of the rut. Are they all wrong? I'm, and, I'm and not saying anybody's wrong. Exactly. That, right? And that's just what it goes through my mind. And yeah. then, for instance, all these other states around Missouri require non-residents to draw, whereas Missouri is kind of a free-for-all, okay, come, let's let's hunt all the deer, shoot all our deer. So that's where I'm like, all these other states are a draw with a rifle season outside of the rut. Missouri is exactly the opposite. Is somebody wrong? Is somebody, and that's just what's going through my mind. So I don't expect an answer here. I'm just, that's what goes through my mind. I'll give you an answer. Yeah. It may not be the right answer, (laughs) but I'll give you an answer. (laughs) So um, to your first point, as far as the other, other states setting up their seasons differently, Missouri utilizes that data also. Mm-hmm. Um, so we look at that. We look at harvest numbers in Iowa and Kansas and, and Illinois and things like that. So that is considered. Um, I'm not saying one's right or wrong. I'm sure they use our data numbers also. And we all want to produce a, an attractive, well-established, you know, healthy deer population. 
um, along with that, you got to worry about disease control and and you know number of hunters coming in and, and mm-hmm. a lot of different things. Again, so I'm not saying anybody's right or wrong. I, I, Missouri is not perfect. It's sure. not ideal in, in management. There's always ways we can improve, and that's why we continually do that. We we re we rehash that every single year. So I think that's good that we we do that. We consider those things. But again, it's not it's not sure. a perfect system. And, and we could move, you know, the firearm season to December and allow archery hunters to go through that. And are we going to make a hundred percent of the people happy? No, you'll never no, do that. Abs- absolutely, no matter so, what. You so, do. so exactly. So so and, and it'll just create issues that we may not even be aware mm-hmm. of now. Um, doing that. So so there's always that to consider too. Public input oh, on yeah. those kinds of things also. Um, to your second point of Missouri kind of being a free-for-all state as far as non-resident hunters. I, I don't disagree with you at all. Our Missouri, my understanding is Missouri has typically always prided ourselves on having cheap permits or what we call cheap permits. Now, they may not be cheap to some people. Oh, uh, yeah. But compared to other states' permit costs, Kansas, whether that be Iowa, you know, resident, resident permits even in those states yeah. are generally higher than what Missourians mm-hmm. are charged for their resident permits here. So we very seldomly have permit price increases. We have had some, but you're talking about your, your, how much did it cost you to get a bear permit? Not to look. You know, I, now I'm going to put you on the spot. Like you can get a, an elk tag, $10 application fee and $50 mm-hmm. to go kill an elk in Missouri. Go kill an elk in Colorado for 60 bucks. I mean, good luck, you know, mm-hmm. or, or anything. Um, so we have had lower permit prices across the board. Um, a lot of people make the argument that we could charge non-residents a lot more. I don't disagree. I think we could double the price of non-resident permits, and we could probably still just about still as many. be cheaper than other yeah, Kansas and other exactly. states around. Sure. Yeah. So there is that argument, but I think Missouri's conservation department is funded a lot different than Iowa, for instance. And I'll talk about Iowa's a little more experience with that, but. Iowa operates strictly off of permit sales to fund their DNR um, branch. Missouri permit sales, I'm not sure what the numbers are. We get generate a lot of revenue, but that's not our only source of revenue mm-hmm. for our conservation department. So we are very fortunate in Missouri to have a well-funded conservation department. And by doing that, we can offset the cost of our permit sales because we don't need to charge. Where as does much. that funding come? Is it from donors or from? No, it's, it's a, a sales tax. So that. sales tax been around since 1976, I believe is when it went into effect. The, the one, the 1% sales tax. Okay. Um, that goes directly to MDC, Missouri department of conservation. And that money is for our commissioners to oversee and spend accordingly. However, we see fit as a department. Um, other states don't have that. They operate solely off of permit sales, whether that's resident permits or non-permit or, or non-resident permit sales, and that's their only source of funding aside from federal grant money that they get. You would think and Iowa would, then would not want to do a draw system to get more people you would, to buy you permits would think because there. That is if that's how their only source of revenue. If mm-hmm. it's taking you four years to, yeah. it's just not all about revenue to them. Yeah, they like and they're, big they're, gear. Well, and they're they, funded other ways too. Yeah, they have sure. income coming in from other ways, so they yeah. don't. Um, but in Missouri too, we have a lot of funding coming in from that sales tax. That's our number by far, our number one revenue generator. And that's just you and me going to McDonald's. Hmm. 
That's a bad example. And don't go to McDonald's. <laughs> this, is, this is kind of an avenue off of this, but, you know, not that one, one way is right, one way is wrong. Mm-hmm. You know, you just talked about they like big deer. So if you yeah. look at, like, Kansas and Iowa, when you think of giant deer, and Missouri gets some. Yes. I've seen some giants this year already oh, killed. Yeah. They might have a new – well, he might be three or four, yeah. that non-typical down yeah. in – Peculiar? Peculiar yeah, area, belt, and that that? thing was a Big hoss. Gear. Yeah. And then I saw a guy with a longbow take one. That picture was floating around. It was like 200-some-inch deer with a longbow. It was crazy. Yeah. But you don't put Missouri first. No. You think Iowa, Kansas. Illinois used to Il- be. It's Illinois, kind of yeah. Illinois Kentucky's a kind of, sleeper state now. But, yeah. but definitely Iowa and Kansas, yeah. you think monarchs. Mm-hmm. You don't think that Missouri because – we think, right? We uh, we did do the antler restriction now. Um, besides youth, that's mm-hmm. different, which I get. Right? We want our <clears throat> yeah. kids to be successful, yeah, matter, so yeah. it's like don't want to sit there and watch a kid pass on a deer. No, absolutely yeah. not. Yeah, so I get it. Um, but you know, that's part of our thought process too. Just as hunters, right? And I'm not a scientist or biologist, and I don't you know study that. But I'm I'm thinking to myself, you know. Less deer would be shot if you bow hunted the runt, but you'd be a little more successful or have more opportunities. Mm-hmm. And then age structure and just bigger deer, and, and we yeah. would see more prevalent sure. white yeah. tail. Mm-hmm. Um, but who knows? I don't. Mm-hmm. I guess I'd have to look at the studies and. Yeah, I mean, I think there's an argument it, to be made there. You know? I think there's valid points. But like you sure. said too, well, we move it. You're not gonna make everybody. And then happy. now half the people. The people that aren't whining about it, then we'll be whining <laughs> exactly. about it. Exactly. We're yeah, not hearing flip, those people. It'll just flip-flop. No. It'll just flip-flop. So yeah. I get it. The number of people might be bigger than the... But I guess my thought process Because there are a is... lot of people that love rifle hunting. Oh, rifle yeah. hunting's number one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For sure. Exactly. I mean, besides squirrel, and I think squirrel hunting is number one in the state <laughs> by <laughs> or rabbits. I but guess, sure, but deer hunting's up there. I guess my thought process is, is yeah, you're not going to make anybody and not everybody happy. But if you went into it with like, hey, we're going to try something for five years. This isn't a permanent change. This isn't saying we're going to stick with it. We're just going to try something and see what happens. I mean, is it's? I mean, what? It's right. I think that's potentially feasible. Yeah, I mean, Um, then you run into those lines of switching regulations back and forth on people and causing more confusion than what we were already caused in some of our regulations. Again, not saying that's not a possibility. Yeah, I think absolutely think so. Once you change something, it's hard to revert back. Mm-hmm. to changing it back to where, the way it was. Well, I think people are a lot more susceptible to change with the way things have yeah. been the last several yeah. years, but exactly, that's that's a difficult It's a difficult thing to, to do, too. but not unrealistic yeah, exactly. entirely. We did bring up, you know, we we're talking about numbers and stuff, and let's relate it to turkeys, because was this like the fourth year in a row in a decline in population? Yeah, it's obvious. Um, is that something on the table? Of going yes. just one turkey, um, or that's an option. I mean, we look at. I say we as, as a department. I know that we consider all those things. I mean, the big thing with turkey season that I get the most feedback from is the all-day turkey hunts. Mm-hmm. You know, every state around us allows all-day turkey hunting. Why does Missouri not allow that? More than um, one bird in the first week. Yeah, uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So again, that's outside of my realm of expertise sure. and my knowledge, and I'm not going to claim to know yeah. all that stuff. Um, but we. We do have people that are dedicated to that. We have, 
you know, we're talking about deer hunting, and I don't want to switch, switch away from the turkey right. hunting, but yeah, we, we have staff in our Jefferson City office or our Columbia office that that is their job. Like, that we have a, a deer biologist specialist. I mean, that's their job. Um, our cervid specialist, which is deer, elk, those animals. We have a, a turkey biologist. I mean, that is their job, is to collect that data, put that together, provide recommendations, and ultimately, it comes down to our commissioners. We have a four-person commission that make those decisions. Now they're going to make those decisions based off of the evidence they see and the, the, the science behind it. But it's ultimately up to them. <clears throat> and I can't tell you why we don't have a all-day turkey hunting season in Missouri. Um, other states do, and there's an argue, argument to be made that it's not going to affect the harvest numbers drastically um, one way or the other. So... I can just say that there is staff that that, that is their their job. That's one thing's for sure. The numbers choice. are declining. We can't can't Based really argue that. The, yeah. Well, harvest numbers. Harvest numbers harvest are, declining. Numbers are declining. So I guess. Yeah. Um, but I would logically equate that to then population. The, the population is yeah. also declining. But yeah, there's, there's we, other there. factors that go into that. Sure. But you're right. I mean, that's the direct tag sales staying steady and numbers are declining or are tag sales declining which also reflects that's the declining a, that's a good question that's yeah. what i was getting at was that you know our permit sales declining also just not recruiting that type of hunter to go out and I know, right. to do that i know uh, well i say i know a lot i know quite a few um outfitters and they just don't have the clients coming in for missouri turkey hunting yeah. like they used to so yeah. i mean that could be part of it there too out-of-state hunters yeah. don't come to missouri as much as they used to so, yeah, and our our numbers will affect yeah that as a mm-hmm. business too, um, and the opportunity for an all day hunt or you know Missouri only lets you hunt for half a day, mm-hmm. so but you can go to Kansas and hunt all day. You know, where's that person's time and money better spent? Yeah, no. exactly. Yeah, and you, <clears throat> well, you used to be able to hunt two birds in Kansas and you could shoot them the same day, the same time. You could shoot them whenever. Yeah, you have to go out to Western Kansas to shoot two birds now, but. I've told these guys before on the podcast that I couldn't tell you for three or four years in a row, I killed my Kansas bird between like 2.30 and 4.30 in the afternoon. Yeah. Every day I could just figure yep. it out. And I'd go to a spot, I'd cold call, and within 15 or 20 minutes I'd get a gobble and respond and have my decoy out there and shoot a bird and be done. Yeah. Like it just, that time of day works. Like in Missouri, if you don't get them right off the roost, go back, grab a bite to eat, come back out about 10.30 or 11 o'clock and hunt till 1 because right. you're likely to get a gobbler that – Yeah. You know, he yep. didn't get love that morning, or he did, and he's on to the next. So, I mean, you you learn to capitalize on those opportune times. But, I mean, yeah, if Missouri allowed an all-day hunt, I'd sleep in and go out mid-afternoon. <laughs> out yeah. Exactly. Yep. Yeah. So it's all about the sleep. Well, yeah, <laughs> okay. that too. That too. Well, that's what I was telling you. Like, on that last deer hunting podcast, man, that, that farm where you couldn't get in there without blowing deer out of a morning. So I'd right. hunt that you know, nine to three range. And You'd hunt midday not exactly. to spook anything. Yeah, yeah, but then that nine to three range, everybody's coming out of the timber, I'm in the timber, and then everybody's moving back in the timber, and I'm still in the timber. Right. So yeah. is there a big... Uh, Smarter, not harder. I was glancing down here. Is <laughs> there... Have people reported any mountain lions this year? Oh, I'm sure. Or they think... Well, okay, not... Let me rephrase the question. He's got a funny <laughs> grin here, yeah. Pat. I'm curious what's what's coming next. Well, no, because people think they see a mountain lion. Uh-huh. Yeah, they're like, that's so a big cat's got a mountain bear pig. lion. So it is yeah. it turns into a report. Yes, mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. And we don't. I don't document every report that I get or call that I. I tell people 
when that situation comes up, yes, I've had mountain lion reportings. I think agents statewide get them on a monthly basis, right. I would say. Uh, and I tell people when I when they call, unless they have physical evidence, whether that's a, a picture, good clear picture, um, hair, scats, a, a good solid track or something, we can't. I can't deny what you saw. I mean, I right. wasn't there, yeah. so I'm not going to argue with you over what you may or may not have seen. I can't. I can't justify that. So it may very well have been a mountain lion. Most of the time, it's probably not. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. It's likely to be something else. Like a black panther. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's typically um, a bobcat and um, people. People in general want to see those things, so therefore your mind makes you see them. They see one in person. I, yeah. I swear I've seen a chupacabra. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it's... And we we document sightings, and if there's good physical evidence, we have a we actually have a mountain lion response team, and that's what they're called, the mountain lion response team. Okay. Um, based out of central Missouri, and they will deploy and respond to an area in the state where if we've got good physical evidence, they will come out and document everything. I mean, they'll huh. take measurements, molds, collect any DNA that may be available, and they they do follow up on that now are they trying to simply just document it are they trying to find this cat and put a collar on it are they trying to relocate it or are they what are what is no, their end goal there? we don't make any attempts to relocate it um, unless it's causing some sure. kind of obvious but I didn't issue know if it was just maybe to like tag it or dart it or just no. get info and then <clears throat> release it there again. is a, a dna database that we have been able to track some animals back to so we know where they've been historically mm-hmm. um, just to track movements on a on a state and national level in cooperation with other states. So if that's a possibility, they're going to do that and then put it into a DNA database or at least document that this young juvenile was seen in, you know, Platte County, Missouri, whatever. Are they coming out of, like, northwest Nebraska and stuff too? Yeah, typically from Nebraska, yeah. We've had some, I believe, from um, western Kansas, western Nebraska come mm-hmm. all the way over into um, Missouri. But... I mean, they're they're creatures. They move around. We were exactly. talking about seeing elk and moving around. We've had black bear sightings in northern Missouri. Wolf. I know there's been some yeah, people wolves, trapped some wolves. Wolves have been killed. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, trapped and killed uh, in in Missouri. And we've got trace back to what Minnesota and Wisconsin. Minnesota, yeah. I think yeah. northern Minnesota. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's a long ways for animals to move around. So I don't ever tell people that it's not what they think they saw, because it's not my place to do that. Nine times out of ten, probably more like ninety nine times out of a hundred, it's not that. Um, but there are the occasions where we do get a good game camera picture, and you know we, that's that's a mountain lion. Now, are you know? allowed to say whether you've ever seen one? I've never seen one. What I truly believe is a mountain lion in Missouri, and I've been in Davies, DeKalb County, Northwest Missouri, yeah. my entire life. Yeah. Did you see the video, the latest video of that guy shooting at the? I have not. The one that was stalking him. Yeah, and mm. it definitely was like stalking him. Did he ever and hit it, the mountain lion? I don't know I don't, if I don't he think he ever did. It's like he shot next to it, or maybe he was so scared he just didn't hit it. <laughs> yeah, because he shot a couple times, but and so I was reading on the website. <laughs> it was it was a kill shot. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but he totally. I mean, he's backing up and and at some point he's like, okay, this you got thing. to at some point, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, that's that's an. That's I don't want threat. that thing making yeah. the lunch because they are so quick, They're but quick and powerful. Obviously, you can protect yourself. Against the yeah. mountain lion. Yeah, I mean, I, there will be a, an investigation. investigation soon after, though. <laughs> to <laughs> there make will sure. be, an, and if, <laughs> if you were legitimately concerned, 
there's a threat posed to you or your property. Yeah. And whether that be your chickens or your dog or your, your cat or whatever, right. um, you have the right to protect yourself and your property. There's no, no doubt about that. Now, are you going to get to keep it? Probably not. Uh, right. It's going to be seized and scientistified or whatever, you know, yeah. we call that, you know. I'm sure they'll uh, researched. Researched. And, yeah. Uh, um, and talk about seeing something funny is uh, a guy that comes into the store quite frequently. He was hunting with his son one day, and I don't know where. And uh, the kid goes, Dad, look. And he looks over, and it was a uh, monkey. <laughs> <laughs> comes running out of the timber because uh, it had gotten loose from uh-huh, wherever. Yeah. And this is in Missouri, and I don't know. Anyways, uh, that would be a sight to see. That reminds <laughs> me of the kangaroo video down in Oklahoma. Oh, right yeah. It's a kangaroo. <laughs> yes. It's one of those like, where you get that call, like, no, this is this obviously not true. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But you, you've it, never gotten anything never ridiculous know. like a Sasquatch or anything. Yeah. Like I've, you have? Uh, I've had Bigfoot calls. I've had oh Chupacabra gosh. calls. <laughs> where, Excellent. Black, where Pan- Black Panthers? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Black Panther calls. <laughs> oh, my um, Lord. <laughs> but, yeah, the Chupacabra call I've, was, ended up being a, a mangy coyote. Dead dog. I think oh. it was a pet dog on the side of the road that had been there for a while, and like all the fur had come off, mm-hmm. so it literally just looked oh. like leathery skin on a skeleton. Um, but it went so <laughs> far. It went so far as a caller reported it to a sheriff's office. A deputy went out and gave their opinion on it, also, and concerned enough that they called you. Called us. Wow. Yeah. And oh went to look at it to, you know, to say no. But um, yeah, it went to that extent. Then it was just a, a dog, you know, I don't know what kind of dog, but sure. um, small sized dog. But but with those ditch. calls, how how nice and how far are we taking these Bigfoot calls? It's it's difficult are to you, take them seriously sometimes. Are yes. you a believer? No. <laughs> <laughs> like no. I mean, I mean, you just talk to him on the phone, like, ma'am or sir. Yeah, or, it, it's. It's not. You have to be polite. Exactly. We're, we're in a business of customer service, right? Mm-hmm. Sure. I can't, like, okay, you're crazy. You know, mm-hmm. stop doing whatever you're doing. I can't say that. Yeah. I may think that sometimes, but I'm not going to say that to people. No. Um, and again, you are reporting it to me. I wasn't there. I can't 100% say that Bigfoot didn't run across your backyard <laughs> and steal your pumpkins, but, <laughs> I, but you have to give some degree of legitimacy to that person because sure. they feel valid enough to call you and report it, mm-hmm. and they're taking it serious enough, so I don't want to downplay that right. and make them feel bad for reporting those things. Um, and you know, sometimes it's I, I generally avoid going out doing like a site visit to verify that they didn't see that. Yeah, sure. But... At some point, you kind of have to appease them. Mm-hmm. Um, Taking hair samples. And, and it's, like I said, it's, it's customer service, so I mean, yeah. keep them happy. Now, if they say we've got hair and tracks, would that pique your interest a little I bit I would more? like to go see that, yeah, because yeah. exactly. I want to be one of those that's in, uh, re- named in that report. I want to be, exactly. ag- <laughs> be the agent that locates Bigfoot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Everybody does. Yeah. Exactly. Agent McNeely. <laughs> right. Yeah. You're, that's you're forever famous. You know? mm-hmm. Yeah. You're in, forever. The, you're in the books forever at that point. Uh-huh. Exactly. I don't want to miss out on something like no. that. No. Well, you get yeah. to give it the scientific name and everything. Yeah. It's classified. <laughs> oh my yes. gosh. Do you guys have any new, uh, any programs coming out or or anything people can keep an eye out for? Or, um, I saw on the website, I mean, people can volunteer and stuff. Yeah. You're probably always looking for always volunteers. Have but, volunteers um, in a lot of our different areas. We, 
I'm pretty limited on my knowledge, but I, if you follow our Facebook page, the department Facebook page, there mm-hmm. is stuff on there, you know, five or six times a day yeah. about different events going on around the state or different um, things that are changing, regulation changes, updates on, you know, I see a lot of stuff about cases that have been made or um, events that have been held by agents all over the state and not just agents, but other MDC staff also. There's a lot of stuff to get kids involved. There's a lot of interactive things that we do. One thing I've seen lately, and I've not looked into it, and I should because I have two younger boys, the, the Agents of Discovery is what we're coding this, calling this mm-hmm. um, program as, but it's just getting kids out and being involved at like some of our nature centers and going outdoors and doing an event of some kind, whether that be finding feathers or doing a bark rubbing, um, things like that. But yeah, it's pretty cool, some of the things we offer, um, and I, I wish I'd probably had my kids involved in more of it. They they see enough of the stuff that I deal with and get to sure. see some of the things I bring home now and then. Um, but it's a lot of an community involvement for sure. There's always activities going on on the weekends, even um, a lot of our nature centers and and some of our public events that we host and put together. Yeah. So it, it, yeah I don't know was, of anything big ticket-wise at the moment. Um, there was quite something. a... Well, I don't, there's a lot of info on there that you can look on. And yeah. I like the uh, Ask MDC. And yeah. And there's a bunch of videos. And I yeah, actually how, saw how one. How-to videos? Like, like how loons to, in Missouri. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and I was like, how to oh, I want to click hunt squirrel. I mean, we go through all the steps of how to call it field to fork is a, one yeah. of the things that we do. Uh-huh. And go how, how to hunt squirrel, for example. And then how to clean your squirrel once you do have them harvested and then how to prepare them for, for eating or right. consuming. Uh-huh. It goes through all that stuff. Yeah. It's pretty yeah. educational. So There's a lot if, of... Yeah, if you want to see that one-eighth of one percent sales tax going to work, go to the MDC website. It, Like you said, it is a wealth of knowledge. It's probably mm-hmm. one of the best conservation websites around as far as department-wise. Talk about all the areas that are well-funded, a lot of them with restrooms, with bulletin boards, with paper maps, all of these paper maps can be linked to the the area maps can be linked to the website. You can get digital versions. You can put them on your phone. Like it, yes. Hands down, of all the states yeah. I've been to, MDC does have an amazing uh, set of resources, For uh, sure. both paper, digital, whatever, as far as the areas. And so yeah. you really see that one eighth of one percent go to work. And like you said, all the information on the website is incredible. It, it is, and and to go along with that, we have staff that deal with private landowners and giving recommendations on how to manage properties, whatever it may be for, if it's for quail or for butterflies or whatever it may be, we have staff that's dedicated to doing those jobs. So contact a local MDC office, look them up on the website, contact information is there. And if there's something you're wanting to do, we have staff that can help you. You may not be able to give you hands-on type stuff or give you um, something directly, but we can at least provide information and recommendations on how to manage your pond better for whatever fish species you want to um, have growing in there or how to manage that 20-acre field that doesn't seem to ever have anything going on on it. Um, yeah, there's there's resources, sorts of knowledge, and staff for all of that stuff. <clears throat> yeah, for sure. There's a lot of... Get outdoors. Yes. Yeah. Hunters have, you know, there's a stigma behind it anyway, so we need to do our part in making yeah. sure we, you know, keep this ball rolling in a positive direction. Yep. So, uh, no, it's good stuff. Do you have any other questions you want to hit? I got, I got one kind of about conservation areas. <clears throat> like, 
what's what are steps to take if you want to be more involved with an area? You know, I know there's a lot of really, really good conservation areas that are well kept and well run, but there's some others that I feel like have been good in the past and they've lost, mm-hmm. you know, the, I don't know. I don't know what they lost, just attention. Yeah. And they've kind of gone to the wayside. Now they don't hold as much, I mean, wildlife as you think they would, yeah. you know, stuff like that. Yeah. And that you bring up a good point. And we've seen that. You know, we've all seen that we're, um, and it comes from, I'm not trying to make an excuse here by any means, because they all deserve attention because they are a public resource to be used. But budgeting, staff, numbers, just not being able to have the number of staff to manage those areas how we'd like to sometimes. Um, yeah, so some areas don't get as much attention. And we try to give more attention to the high-use areas because we want those to appeal um, to a, a bigger portion of the public. Mm-hmm. But as far as being involved, I mean, there are volunteer opportunities um, to do stuff like that. Now, you're probably not going to get permission to go out and do something outside of the management plan for that area. Um, but there may be an opportunity for that. Um, and public input on areas, you know, there's, we're going through a process now where we're actually considering, do we need that property? Like, is it useful? Is it a resource that's being utilized by the public Mm -hmm. or could we maybe sell it and focus more of our attention on other areas that are being utilized by the public more? Um, and, and all that, what I'm getting to is there's public input that's considered for that. Um, if there's areas that, you know, you see as being neglected, put to the wayside, you know, the department is considering, do we even need to put money? Do we need to budget for that? Um, or can we allocate that somewhere where it may be used more effectively? Mm -hmm. Um, So there's, there's opportunities for public input when it comes to that kind of stuff and volunteer work. I mean, we don't generally turn that down. I mean, no, that may be not what you're wanting to do, but, uh, would your would your local officer be the guy to contact, or or, or more of a? They can be. It's kind of the we're kind of the front line contact mm-hmm. for that stuff because there's an agent in every county, or typically in every mm-hmm. county, um, and we're generally the go-to contact. And if I can't answer for you, I'm going to put you in touch with who can. Yeah. You know, there's all of our conservation areas are uh, set up to where there's an area manager is their title that oversees multiple conservation areas within a, a certain geographical area. Uh, and they're responsible for the management plans and implementing that stuff and keeping them maintained. Um, so if you can't get a hold of that person, you can always call the agent. The agent's going to know who to contact and can put you in touch with, with them. Mm-hmm. Perfect. That's good stuff. Yeah. Well, we appreciate you coming out here and taking the time. And Yeah. It's I know. been fun. I've done yeah. some radios. I've never done a podcast before, so it's sure. a little different, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I've done several radio uh, things. Yeah. And I'll tell you, I was a little nervous coming down here. I was like, I don't know what this is going to be like. Nah, it's, <laughs> we sit there and hammer me with questions all day long. Yeah, yeah we're just going to we're gonna really <laughs> yeah. get him. Yeah. We're going to make sure he tells us everything. But no, it's, it's been a lot of fun. I, yeah. I've enjoyed doing it this. Has. So is there is there a mountain lion in Davies or DeKalb County right now? I cannot 100% say yes or no. What's your gut tell you? No. No. What about Bigfoot? Uh, no. 100% no on Bigfoot. Yeah, I'm going to say 100%. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> that's good stuff. Although, that's a good place to be. I mean, pretty rural. Yeah. Not good resource as far as food, water availability. That's where I would go if I was Bigfoot. Yeah. 
Find or about a little hidey hole. I'd rather not see a mountain lion on my farm, though. <laughs> I don't want to be walking to my stand and, no. and see one pop out. Yeah. If they're scaredy cats, man, you just get loud and make noise. Oh, yeah. Away. Well, you can come with me then. Can <laughs> you watch you... where the red fern grows? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what do you do to scare off a Bigfoot? I don't know. Take pictures? Take, Take pictures. Because they, yeah, they never show up in the picture. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing, too. Like, I don't understand how the way, you know, cell phones are amazing right now. The person that's going to get a picture of a Bigfoot has a flip phone from, like, 2001. Exactly, yeah. And the Bigfoot is, is 300 up. yards away. Yeah, and they've taken it through a screen of exactly. some kind. Exactly. Yeah. And it's like, come on. Yeah. Those are the only people that see Bigfoot are the people yeah. that still carry a flip phone from 2001. Yeah. Uh-huh. And that's the camera they've got. Yep. Yeah. That's good. Absolutely. Awesome. Well, well I yeah. appreciate it, bud. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, thanks for coming yeah. on. Absolutely. Anytime. I'm happy to come back down and talk some more. For sure. If you guys want me back. Oh, yeah, yeah absolutely. Now we will. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Thank you, man. Yeah, absolutely. All right, guys, we hope you enjoyed today's podcast. If you did, go ahead and give us a subscribe. That way you're going to get a notification every time we put out a new podcast. Chandler, what else should they do? Go to our uh, social media pages and give us a like on Facebook, Instagram, or YouTube. Uh, get a subscribe to YouTube channel. We do uh, product reviews there. And then uh, giveaways is a great part of our social media as well. And then we just want to thank you guys for what you guys do and support us so we can do stuff like this. So thank you.